And welcome to your favorite podcast. This is The Five Spot. I'm your host, Donovan McNabb, joined with Armando Segarra. We've had the world's biggest game this past weekend with the Kansas City Chiefs winning again. Patrick Mahomes winning again, the MVP at Disney World, and one in which I'm so happy for to see the big red guy winning again and showing his worth and proving to the world why I felt like he's the world's best coach to ever coach the NFL. Could be a little biased, but I think he's proven that he can do it with two franchises and bringing them to winning organizations and to the Super Bowl and now showing that he can win multiple Super Bowls uh, as well. And so when I look at this particular game, I get excited because it gave us something uh, that we can hold on to, a nail-biting game, two teams that were well-deserving of being at this particular point, Kyle Shanahan and his innovative offense and the way that Wilkes' defense played uh, in the game. Uh, and then on the opposite side, Steve Spagnuolo was a coach with me in Philadelphia, uh, had the top, one of the top-rated defenses that played well in this particular game, as well as the offense adjusting at halftime. Armando, when you looked at this particular game, obviously, did you feel that the Kansas City Chiefs offensively would be a little bit more explosive than what we've seen in the first half? I was surprised in the first half that we didn't see Travis Kelsey, which kind of was a good moment for me because that meant that CBS didn't show me tr Taylor Swift every five seconds. Every time that Travis Kelsey caught a football, uh, you're going to get Taylor Swift. And so the first half was a great first half for the anti-Taylor Swift campaign, of which I am the president. And and that was good. Obviously not good for the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's the reason that Travis Kelsey, that moment where he puts, you know, he puts his hands on, on Andy Reid, that was a little weird. Uh, I understood his frustration, but maybe he let the emotions get a little bit more of him than he should. Look, <coughs> let's just say it, Donovan. The team with the better quarterback, the better head coach, and the better defense won the Super Bowl, which makes me feel like it's 1973. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, it, it wasn't about fireworks it wasn't about you know all this great you know scheming and all that it was just pure and simple who blocked and tackled better and who had the better coach and who had the better plan who knew the rules on overtime and and who had you know the game's mvp which is once again your guy patrick mahomes uh we're we're heading we're heading down the Tom Brady, he's in the gun sights. Tom Brady is. <laughs> I, I, you know what? The, let's go back to uh, your comment there about the best coach. Uh, this was an opportunity for Kyle Shanahan to implant his name uh, in in the book, so to speak, of not only being able to get you there, uh, but also to get you over the hump. And I've been in a situation, obviously, of being the five NFC championships and, and making one Super Bowl. And that was something that they held over Andy's head of he'll get you, have a great season, play well in the playoffs, but can't just seem to get over the hump uh, of winning the Super Bowl. And, and Andy had to battle that from Philly going into Kansas City where he was very successful early on with Alex Smith being the quarterback. The young Patrick Mahomes was drafted. 
uh, was able to win during the regular season, play well in the playoffs, wasn't able to get to that AFC championship. But as Patrick now started to evolve, that was the big thing because his first year as a starter went to the AFC championship and lost to Tom Brady on a questionable call um, of offsides uh, on uh, their defensive end. And then the next year, uh, getting back to the AFC championship and making it to the Super Bowl. And so when you look at Andy's resume, people will say, oh, man, he's got a great winning percentage. Uh, went to the NFC Championship, now going to the AFC Championship, and now finally make it. Can he win the big game? And so when you look at those dark clouds over those two coaches, this was something for Kyle Shanahan that they go back to the Atlanta game when, or excuse me, when he was in Atlanta and played against New England and being up uh, by double digits and ended up losing that game in overtime as well. So um, I, I think the storylines in this game um, – Somewhat was unfair, but it gave viewers and everybody else something to talk about. And the way that San Francisco came out in the first first half in their first drive, you thought, wow, this is this is something unexpected. San Francisco is just moving the ball downfield, running the football with McCaffrey. And so when the fumble happened, it was to me, it was sort of sort of what we talked about on the show. This this game could go sideways of a team that makes mistakes and turns the football over. And San Francisco made multiple mistakes in that game, and luckily uh, Kansas City wasn't able to capitalize on it. But the fumbles, the the muff punt return, um, the missed touchdown pass when he had Chris Jones in his face and he had Debo Samuels running through the end zone open, uh, things like that could hurt you in this game, but fortunately for San Francisco, it didn't hurt them at that particular time. But it's just one that I look back on. Is, is so I feel so bad for both coaches because this is something that Andy had to hang with. Now Kyle's going to have to hang with that over the shoulders. Yeah, Kyle has it worse than Andy ever did because Andy was you can't win the, the big one, right? The big one, yeah. Kyle Shanahan is you choke in the big one. And the reason that I say that is he he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons when they had a 28 to 3 lead against the New England Patriots and they lost the game. Right. He's the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers when they played the Kansas City Chiefs here in the Miami Super Bowl in 2020 and in the fourth quarter he had the lead and they lost the game. And obviously he was the head coach of the 49ers still two days right. ago, two days ago, whatever it was, uh, where he has the lead in the fourth quarter. He has the lead in overtime. Right. Lost the game. So right. yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those where you don't just you didn't win the game. No, no, no. It's you choked in the game. Your team somehow uh, lost the lead. And that's a lot more of a, a harsh narrative that exists than you, you can't win the big one. It's you choking the big one. And that's rough, man, because I saw a lot of reasons why the 49ers lost. They missed that extra point. If they make that extra point, they might they probably win the game. Uh the you mentioned it 
the the play in overtime, third and four, and they have a backup right guard in the game, and they have you know obviously they're starting right tackle, uh, Burford, uh, and so one of them goes this way, one of them blocks that way. And right up the middle comes Chris Jones, right in between them. And you mentioned Ayuk was open. Gennings was open, too. And and he just missed. Purdy just had to get rid of the ball and threw it away. And it was and then they had to settle for the field goal. And that was the end of that. Well, it's just, you know, when I I'm, I look at it from a Kansas City standpoint, um, Travis Kelsey was not involved in the game. And obviously him being the the number one receiver pretty much on that football team, you got to try to find ways to get him the ball. Not saying that, um, that Patrick was not looking at, at Travis, but I'll, I'll say this. I think things change in that game and it's so unfortunate. And I don't think I've ever seen this before, but when Greenlaw went out on that injury of just, on the sideline, getting fired up, and then he ran out on the field, and it seems like he may have tore his Achilles of just running out on the field. When he went out, because he's been their outside linebacker that can cover uh, slot receivers or he can cover, uh, you know, tight ends that are, are, are like Travis, more hybrid guys. When he went out, they went after number 48 uh, in that game, and that's when Travis Kelsey started to get a little bit more involved. And, yes, uh, the body bump and, and the – the anger um, from what I've seen of Travis Kelsey going in and talking to uh, Andy uh, at that time was a little excessive and, and it definitely was, it was needed. It was not needed. Um, and I'm sure they've hashed it out and, and, and talked about it, but uh, I think Travis wanted to be more involved, got into it with Andy a little bit uh, and things changed a little bit. And it wasn't so much of that argument. But it was the injury to me with Greenlaw, uh, because now you have to put your your middle linebacker in Warner, covering Travis Kelsey throughout the game, and that's not you're taking him out of the run game, and so now it, it worked out in the favor of getting Travis a little bit more involved. And big shout out to to Rasheed Rice of of elevating his game and becoming that focal point because for one point at least sixty five percent of the season. There was no receivers. I mean, I don't even – I didn't even – Sky Moore, did he even dress for the game? I didn't see him out there. We obviously know Ladarius Tony uh, was a healthy scratch. Uh, and so you look at Nicole Hartman that came back to Kansas City midseason, was with the Jets in the beginning of the season. He almost lost in the Buffalo game on the reverse play where he fumbled. And he had multiple mistakes leading up to this point. And so now he becomes the hero – of a guy that they kind of shipped off to the Jets and then brought him back to help them out. So that's big shouts out to the receivers of just continuing to fight through it. And then Patrick Mahomes, uh, much love to him because I've been there where you're looking for help and it's not there. And then all of a sudden you keep staying confident with your guys and they end up making the big plays for you. So you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and, and of course, if we're talking about the Kansas city chiefs, every single conversation Finishes and starts with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, third Super Bowl MVP, 74% completion in the game. Okay. Yeah. 
333 yards. And and I, I was watching Twitter and the guys on Twitter are like, ah, he's dinking and dunking. He's not doing anything. Uh wrong. He's doing he's get he's doing exactly what the defense was giving him. Absolutely. And ultimately, when the game was on the line, he drove his team in the final 156 or 154 to a tying uh, a tying field goal. Yes. And the next time they had it, he drove his team to a Super Bowl winning touchdown. Correct. That's what great quarterbacks do. That is what not just great, but all timers do. And that is the reason now that Patrick Mahomes, two minutes, three minutes after that, that, that game was over and they were in the locker room and they celebrated and they come out and talk to the media. He's talking about a three-peat. He said, you know, we're going to go to the, we're going to celebrate this one tonight. We're going to go to the parade. We're going to get our rings. And then I'm going to start thinking about the treat, the three-peat and preparing for that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> whoa, whoa, my man is already, you know, way ahead of all the rest of us, which is what he typically is with defenses, a three-peat. Is that wise that he's already talking about that? Is that wise that he's already <clears throat> facing Tom Brady and he let, lets everybody know it? Well, I, I think it's a motivational piece. Uh, it's a conversation you have with guys that have been there and those guys, those kind of figureheads are more like Travis, Andy, uh, Chris Jones. Uh, that's kind of a, a feeling that you have, but I'm going to guarantee you this. And I've, I've never been on that other side. I've been on the side of where San Francisco is. And believe me, I'm just going to say it sucks. Um, but for those who have won and talking to guys like Tom and, and Richard Seymour and those guys, that's the mindset. Like, we, we've done this before, but it's time to get that next one. And that next one puts us in a special category that not a lot of teams have ever reached. And so I think for Patrick, his legacy and his resume will go, I mean, unblemished to the point where you're talking, I mean, MVPs in regular season, MVPs in Super Bowls, and to go three-peat, I mean, that surpasses a whole lot of quarterbacks, like the Peyton Mannings. That surpasses the Eli Mannings. That surpasses the John Elways. That that puts him in a different stratosphere where what he's shooting for at this point, like we talked about in our shows uh, all last week during the week, and even before we went, end up going to Vegas, Armando, this puts him now chasing only one person. That, that puts him chasing Tom Brady. And not only that, for his sake, but for Andy, that only has him chasing one person, and that is Bill Belichick. And it's an honor for me to have played under a guy like, like Andy and what he's he taught us and the way he prepared us and uh, the communication and friendship that we still have. I mean, to sit back as a former player of a guy like Andy and to see the way his players are reacting, it reminds you of when you play, but you're so excited for the guy because you know when he decides to, and I can't really say it for him because I don't know if he still can touch him, but when he decides to hang his shoes up and throw them over the, the wire, 
and say I'm done. Hopefully he's either surpassed or chomping at the bit uh, of Bill Belichick. Yeah, as far as Mahomes, you mentioned Peyton Manning. Mahomes got Peyton Manning in his rearview mirror. Yeah, yeah. He, he won two, right? He won with two. Troy Aikman, like he's he's up there, I think, with Troy with three, right? He's up there with yes. Troy. Yes. Um, and Troy, I guess, made a comment on Twitter. Let me know when he's he's uh, yeah. You know, yeah, when he made that comment year well, a couple years ago, and it's like ah uh, ah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember when I did that. Yeah, eating a little crow now. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know he did make it a few years ago, but now Patrick Mahomes has has equaled uh, Troy Aikman, also gone back to back, and now chasing his three peat, and now chasing in the company of one guy. Yeah, and I would say to you that it's hard to believe that it can't be done. As far as he's he's 28 years old, he won the Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. They replaced Tyreek Hill with Juju Smith-Schuster and a couple of other guys. He won the Super Bowl with them. They left. They lost both their their left left tackle and right tackle. They replaced those go those guys. They won the Super Bowl with them. Kadarius Tony, they traded for him. They won a Super Bowl with him. Then he lost his mind. They won a Super Bowl without him. Sky Moore, he dressed, didn't play, whatever. We don't need you, Mr. Sky. Uh, you know, we're going to win with whoever we have. Correct. And as long as we have who? Or is it who? One five. Is one we, if we have one five behind center. It's like it's very frustrating if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens, all those teams that are that are chasing the Kansas City Chiefs and seem to at some point this season have better teams than the Kansas City Chiefs and they look up on February the day after Super Bowl and go, "Oh, uh they're better than us. They're the champions again." What happened now? What do we do? And right. it, it, it's hard for them to to figure out how, what to do because the Chiefs didn't have the more talented roster on Sunday. Right. Didn't have the more talented roster throughout the season, and they win the freaking championship. Right. Yeah. Well, let's 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 dive into just a little bit because I remember back when I played, and I'm you know humble enough to talk about it where. Uh, was unaware of the overtime rule, um, you know. And when I played during the regular season, um, obviously, you know, in overtime, you get a, you get one shot for one quarter to uh, score, or you get a tie. Um, and at that particular time, I was unaware because I've just never really seen too many ties during the regular season. So uh, that was one in which, for years, everyone keeps bringing up when people say, "Well, I'm not aware." of the uh, the rules in the regular season. And then now you have the playoffs. And for those who were unaware of the rules in overtime, you know, I thought when San Francisco took the ball, they understood that you get the ball, you score a touchdown, you know, and there you go. You have it. 
but they end up kicking a field goal and now giving the ball back to the the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs go down and drive and score a touchdown, and game's over. This is now one in which they have talked about it after the Buffalo game. Remember when, when the whole public cry after the Buffalo game of they never gave Josh Allen a chance, you know, to go down and, and go and to lead his team to a score. So now we're again. Let's have our competition meeting. Let's talk about it. Let's change it. The other team should have an opportunity, you know, to go and drive and score. Well, when you lose the Super Bowl and then now that, that's your comment from your fullback, that's your comment from your defensive tackle and other players, how bad does this look now for Kyle Shanahan and the organization, especially when the Kansas City Chiefs talked about it? They say they talked about it all year and leading up to this particular game and practiced it, you know, in, in practice this week. Yeah, and by the way, the 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 rules in the postseason is different because we can't be having a tie in the Super Bowl or in a playoff game. You have to somebody's gotta win. Somebody's gotta score a touchdown. Exactly. Uh well, if the other team if the other team goes down and kicks a field goal, then you, you score a touchdown or kick the field goal to continue on. Right. The only way, the only way that a team can win on the first possession of overtime, ironically enough, is if you're on defense and you get a safety. And then you have won on defense. But obviously you would have had to kick off to the other team. The other team gives up a safety, game's over right then and there. That's the only way in overtime in the postseason that the, the game is over after one possession. Uh, obviously, the 49ers got a possession. They got the ball first, and then the Chiefs did, and they got the ball second. And the thinking is by the, you know, the nerd faction <laughs> who thinks of these things is you don't give Patrick Mahomes the last at bat. Right. You, you make him go first. And you make them make the decisions on what to do. And now you know what you're playing for. Um, I get that. Honestly, (laughs) I don't know. Look, I believe that football is decided by football. Right. (laughs) Football. If your defense stops Patrick Mahomes, we're not talking about this. Game over. (laughs) Right? Game over. Disgusting. If your offense uh, scores a touchdown, now a- Andy Reid, even though they scored a touchdown, they've got to go through the rigmarole of, are we going to kick the extra point or are we going to go for two? And Chris Jones said that they were already decided that they were going to go for two, which would have been an amazing, amazing moment. But football, if you right. – it, it's not – I don't think Kyle Shanahan lost the game because uh, they they won the coin toss and took the ball. I don't think that's the reason that game. I agree. I agree. I agree. I thought it was a great strategy in his in his um, in his favor. To be honest with you, because you want to go out there right now and establish it. And the way that they move the ball, 
I thought they were going to score. So now if you score that touchdown, now your defense has been doing a fairly decent job all game where they held them to a fourth and two. It was like a fourth and two. They end up running like a sprint right, arrow concept, uh, getting a guy in the flat, a corner, which left them playing man and left the running lane wide open, which Bosa apologized to his team because that was on his side where he allowed Patrick to get outside of him and get that first down. Uh, so I, I just, I mean, listen, it was a great game. Uh, it's unfortunate that one team has to lose. Um, you know, and Kyle Shanahan is going to go through that through the offseason. And I've been through it. You know, Andy went through it. And it's just, it's unfortunate for them because of that. Because everyone was so waiting for the Brock, Brock Purdy story. It became one in which it was almost we tend to forget that Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner was not Mr. Irrelevant. Kurt Warner wasn't even drafted. Like, and Kurt Warner won two Super Bowls and lost the Super Bowl. And so it, it says a lot about Kurt, but then it's like, now nah, we've got Brock Purdy. Oh, he's Mr. Irrelevant, the last person drafted. No one expected him to be there. They moved up to get Trey Lance. They end up tra- turning, trading Trey Lance. And, you know, and then Kyle saying, with all the guys in the building, that he's the best quarterback in, in the in the building. And, you know, it became a love story for Brock Purdy. Where does Brock Purdy go now from this particular point? I believe that, Donovan, I believe he moves on. And uh, look, um, if we're going to put the, the, the spotlight on Brock Purdy at that Super Bowl, let me just share with you the facts are that Brock Purdy took Patrick Mahomes to overtime. Correct. Correct. Uh, His his numbers in the second half weren't that great. Fair. Uh, Took him to overtime. Correct. Uh, He is... Patrick Mahomes, we're talking about chasing Tom Brady and and the MVP three times, and he got taken to overtime by Mr. Irrelevant. And not just that. Brock Purdy gave the San Francisco 49ers two leads in the fourth quarter and a lead in overtime. He did he drove them down the field twice in the fourth quarter to take the lead in the Super Bowl, including with only 156 left to play. And then he drove them down the field again and got them the lead in overtime. So I have a hard time thinking Brock Purdy didn't show up i have a hard time thinking he didn't perform could he have played better here and there yeah he missed some throws um the third and four that we talked about where you know zero zero blitz and chris chris yeah no no one blocks the the all pro defensive tackle yeah (laughs) Yeah. That, that was that was like the same thing as it was a missed assignment or it was a missed locating who the Mike linebacker was uh, when they came up, showed up on the right side and came, brought McDuffie off the left, uh, where that was another third down situation where he had a slant route right behind, I think, with Jennings. uh, And McDuffie jumps and knocks it down. That was another opportunity uh, with that. But that happens in the game. I definitely know that. I I will say overall, I thought Brock Purdy played fairly well. Um, I think he was well above average. Um, 
He was he didn't he protected the football, didn't turn the football over, which, you know, as a quarterback, you have to protect the football, give your team a chance. I thought he was effective in the red area where, you know, he was completing balls, but you know, some ended up being a touchdown like it was to Jennings. Um, and then he missed missed a few, but that was due to really nobody being open or somebody in his face. I thought they ran the football fairly decent, you know, with McCaffrey. You know, if take away McCaffrey's fumble, I think McCaffrey has an outstanding game. And so I just think in that particular game for Brock Purdy, my question really is, where does he go from here? Now, is it continue to elevate or will he become Jimmy Garoppolo? And so it, that's the question for me of where does he go? Because we got to remember his contract situation is going to come up after next year. And so do they discuss that? going into the season a little bit next this, this year, this offseason, to try to, I would say, lowball him a little bit. Because if you wait another year and he plays the way he did this year and he wins the MVP, now you got to, hey, last last week's uh, price changes this week. So um, I, I, where do you see him? Is it more Jimmy Garoppolo? Or is this going to be one that we'll be talking about possibly you're going to have to pay your quarterback? Yeah, I'm not seeing I, – I, I, there's a reason Brock Purdy beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and I believe there's a reason why Jimmy Garoppolo was on the bench for the Las Vegas Raiders at the end of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, his days as a taste of the day, the soup of the day, I think are kind of done. I think he is a backup quarterback, and the NFL has realized that by now. Whereas Brock Purdy, you know, 31 touchdown passes during the season. We talked about it last week, right? That's hard to do. Um, And plus, I don't think they're going to do anything contract-wise. The 49ers are like uh, some $11.5 million over the effective cap to start the offseason. So they've got to do some work to lower, not heighten, and <laughs> he's not making anything. So you, thank you, Brock Purdy, for not making anything. You will continue to do what? Not make anything. Thank you. We, I mean, I heard somewhere where he didn't have enough money to continue to rent a, a, a place in the Bay Area in Correct. the that people were taking up like a GoFundMe thing or something like that because. Taxes in California are so high. They, they are high. <laughs> there you go. They are high. And and you live, well, elections have consequences. Um, and then they live in, you know, a super high rent place. And he's on, he was making $895,000, which was the minimum or something like that. So you lose 30% of that. You got to pay for your nutrition. You got to pay for, you know, whatever body person you've got, your trainer, you and you know, rent is you know seven, eight thousand dollars a month uh, for an apartment, and right. you're you're in you're you're in the red <laughs> if you're Brock Purdy. But I'm sorry, Brock, that's life. You're not in Iowa anymore, brother. You got to pay what you got to pay, and I don't believe they give him a new contract. Um, 
So let me ask you this, because I'm I'm looking here at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats in San Francisco. His first year in San Fran, he had a 96 QB rating. Uh-huh. He had a 90 QB rating in 2018, 102 in 2019, mm-hmm. 92 in 2020, 21, he had 99, uh, 22 his last year in San Fran which was kind of limited role a little bit. He had 103 QB rating. Um, and they went to the Super Bowl in what? Was that 2020? It was February of 2020 they were in the Super Bowl. And he had a 92, almost a 93 QB rating. Um, he battled some injury because No, it was, was it 2020 or 20? It was that 2019 season. That's when he had 102 QB rating uh, and threw for almost 4,000 yards. So in that offense, he he put up some some decent numbers, um, one in which in 2019, 27 touchdowns and 13 picks. And so, um, you know, I just want to see where it goes from here because we got guys like Daniel Jones who makes $40 million. Uh, We have guys who haven't been nowhere near, I would say, as successful at this particular point as Brock Purdy. I just want to see if he has another year or somewhat similar, 75% of, of what he did this year. He's going to be demanding, or I to say, I don't know so much demanding because I don't know his agency or whatever, but he's going to be asking at least for, I mean, like we talked about with Tua, he's going to be asking somewhere between 38 and $44 million in, you know, however they want to slice it. Do you think he's worthy of that? Yeah. Uh, it's the going rate, right? Uh, yeah, and, that's what I'm asking. And, and, and by the way, uh, you mentioned the Garoppolo thing. The Garoppolo fell out of favor because if you watched him play, first of all, he's always injured. He, True. His durability was terrible. Uh, and he got hurt all the time. And what happened when he got hurt? The 49ers lost. And so you can't count on a guy if he's not there. And secondly, you watch him play and guys running wide open. Oh, the ball's three yards over their heads. Or, oh, look, he threw a 55-foot curveball to them. And uh, so it was those moments where you go, okay, he ain't it. Uh, Yeah, but, you know, even with that said, Jimmy wasn't – See, that's what I'm saying. Like, we look at Jimmy as just as – we've made him out to be trash. But he completed <laughs> – he completed – let me see. It was 67% 2017. Now, 2018, he was hurt. He completed 60 – he only played three games. In the 16-game season in 2019, he completed 70% of his passes. And in the next year, 67. Next year, 68. In the last year in, in San Fran, he was 67. So he was accurate. It wasn't that he wasn't in that. He was inaccurate. He was accurate. He was a winner. No, he didn't play well in the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl. I think he might have completed maybe nine, ten passes like Tim Tebow. And they ran the football to protect him. Ah. But in that Super Bowl game, he played, he played fairly well enough when they had the double-digit lead on San Fran. So I just... I know we all look at Jimmy Garoppolo now and it's like, oh, well, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy wasn't good. But Jimmy was decent. He was well beyond average in that offense. 
I just want to say, I'm just going devil's advocate here because if, say, if Brock Purdy all of a sudden he battles injury or he, he struggles a bit now that they've lost, do we now put him in the Jimmy Garoppolo category? Because I did right now until I need to see more longevity-wise. Or does this climb more to become more like a Kurt Warner story? Wow, the Kurt Warner story would be a high, high, you know, that's that's a high. Because well, I put him there because he's not drafted in there, Mr. Relevant. You know, right. I put him in just in that category. Okay, I'm not ready to put him there yet because... Right. Uh, now, th again, we don't know what's going to happen. I know Correct. that he's going to have talent. He, Purdy, is going to have talent around him. Correct. I don't think he falls off the table. I think it, if he delivers the same kind of 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 season next year that he delivered this year, we're we're good. They're good. I mean, he's getting the bag, and he's, he's getting, getting the bag. The bag. You're he's absolutely right. Yes, he's getting the bag. It's the cha ching. Absolutely I'm good. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't living in somebody's house now. You got your own house. That's that's absolutely you win, you girl, Come on uh, in. Now, the, Jimmy, Jimmy's gonna. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy's Jimmy. Right now. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy right now. Jimmy, you know, he was a he was a second. I think a second round pick for yeah. New England. Uh, came in as a backup role. Played well when Tom was out. Game over to San Francisco. Played well in the first year. Got paid. Um, and then his career was what it was in San Fran, but he was there for five or six years or so. And so then he's in Oakland, I mean, not Oakland, but Vegas. And, you know, it is what it is at this particular point. I'm just trying to find the trajectory of our conversation possibly next season of how that goes. So uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Jimmy, by the way, joins the group of quarterbacks that, are going to be looking for a job in True. this offseason with Joe Trubisky and guys like that because, yeah. um, you know, it, it, there are teams that have to go in a different direction to get where they want to go. I, I We're talking about the Raiders. The Raiders are not, you know, they had Jimmy this year and they decided Aiden O'Connell's, we're going to experiment with him and yeah. see, see what we got. Yeah. We'd rather do that. Uh, so, and it's going to be an interesting offseason, my friend. It's Correct. Like let's, let's, dive into, let's dive into it. Okay. You mentioned Mitchell Trubisky, who uh, was, was just released, I think, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we'll see what happens in Denver with Russell Wilson uh, if they decide to trade him or cut him. Uh, he's, he's talking that he wants to stay uh, in Denver, which I think that's more of a political move but i'm trying to get out of here that, uh, i don't like that i don't like that donovan i i i know because he's he's rewarded with big checks big money coming up next year and i understand that and if he gets traded the contract stays what it is if he gets cut obviously it's a whole different ball game uh there's a strategic move in him saying that right now i know everybody wants to say he want him to say i want out of here you know, get me out of here, and then they end up cutting me, go somewhere else. So we'll see kind of how that transpires. You know, and then you talk about Jimmy. I think Jimmy's going to be released. Um, 
uh, at the you know at some point, and then he'll get a chance to find somewhere to go. We're staying back, going back to Pittsburgh. It'll be interesting to see what they do uh, as far as the Kenny Pickett era, because I think they're going to go with Kenny Pickett, but they're going to bring in a an established veteran. Uh, which I mean, you can look at guys like Jameis Winston. Uh, what they decide to do with him in New Orleans. Um, you know, we talked Russell Wilson. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does uh, next year. Will they keep J- Joe Flacco there as their guy? And then Deshaun Watson comes back. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of quarterbacks right now and moves that may be made. What is What are ones that you'll be watching going into this offseason? Uh, it starts at the top, and at the top of the, the draft, we got Caleb Williams sitting there, number one overall, likely, or Drake May, whoever your choice of the day is. Right. If you're the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields is on the team. You cannot have Justin Fields on the team with Caleb Williams or Drake May on the team. Right. That's not a thing. And so they're going to have to trade Justin Fields and get very little for him and like it. Uh, because I don't believe that Bears fans will tell you, oh, we could get a second round pick for Justin Fields. No, you can't. Right. No, you can't. Uh, nobody's going to give up a second round pick for Justin Fields. He's still um, something of a project, still someone that you have to tailor your offense around and that that requires a lot of uh commitment to a guy that I don't know that his team that knows him best is uncommitting from right and so I I mean you're Justin Fields where do you want to go well I mean I I think just from a standpoint of just knowing a little bit about Justin and knowing people around him who have worked with him. Um, he wants to stay in Chicago. Number one, uh, with another option kind of be creeping up. Remember he's from Atlanta. Uh, and there's been talks about the Atlanta Falcons of him going back home. And so it depends on what they decide to do going forward with Raheem Morris. there now, uh, B. John Robinson's there. What do they decide to do with Pitts, Kyle Pitts? Cause Kyle Pitts is, one of the better athletic tight ends who both of those guys I just mentioned were not really even featured highly in um, the offenses uh, that was last year. And then Ritter, your quarterback, uh, you've got Drake London there, wide receiver, very good. Offensive line is pretty decent with Matthews there. Uh, the defense can add a few more pieces, but they're not that bad. So um, Atlanta could be a spot. Um, and so really – that's I look into that as well. And then you also look in the draft, just to add one more before we shut it down. The Washington Commanders, new management, uh, a new board of NBA, ex- former NBA execs and all of this. Now you hire, um, you know, Bradley to come over to to be your, your head, head coach. He brings over offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury and decides to, to move on from Eric Bieniemy. do they take a guy like Drake May, or do they move up to the number one pick to try to take Caleb Williams with what they have with McLaurin and, and, and those guys on offense? <laughs> so, 
So I got to be honest with you. When you were talking about Justin Fields and Chicago, wanted to stay in Chicago and maybe going to Atlanta, which is his hometown, I'm thinking deep dish pizza <laughs> and fried chicken. Giordano's. I'm thinking one of those or Hattie B's in Atlanta. <laughs> Gladys Knights. That's yeah. all I'm thinking about. I, I, I wasn't thinking about Bijan Robinson or any of that. I was thinking fried chicken. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so oh. I got to be honest with you there. Oh, um, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I, fried chicken. Oh, um, and so there is that. Now, and I bonked on everything else you said. <laughs> well, oh God, we're talking about the commanders, but you know, the commanders, that, yes, that oh yes, the, the commanders. Way up in the show, but they, they got the number. What is it? Three? Is it the uh, three overall pick they got? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it, or no? It's the number two overall pick, isn't it? Uh, the number two overall, but they, yeah, they're gonna get the leftover of Drake May or, or you know, or Caleb Williams and, and maybe Justin, you know, Daniels. Well, yeah, I, I don't think Dan, I don't think Jalen Daniels will go that high. Jalen Daniels, sorry. I, I think if they're so into it, they they'll move all the way up to to number one, and that would actually work in the favor for. Uh, Chicago, if they're looking at Drake May, if they're looking uh, to get more picks, uh, or you know, if they're thinking about keeping Justin Fields, where they'll get more picks, at least another one in that, uh, another one in that first first round, uh, and possibly a second, another second and third round pick, uh, that would work well for them to build around what you have right now. Um, and so, I, I just think with the Commanders, they're they're the team that I'm looking at of what they decide to do. Not so much New England, who I think has that third pick. Um, and so I, I think that's what I'll be watching for the offseason. But we'll talk about that. This is our last show. We want to thank you for joining us here at the Five Spot. Armando and I have had so much fun uh, this season. Uh, look forward to possibly next season to adding more firepower to the Five Spot. You can recap all of our shows on on Spotify and also on YouTube to watch all of our jokes, all of comments made by Armando talking about food. So if you're looking for any restaurant in Miami or Atlanta, as he mentioned, or Chicago, Armando will tell you what type of food to look for. But more importantly, we appreciate the love and support that you've given us all throughout the year watching the Five Spot. Join us again next season here at the Five Spot.